0: Uh, preview. Can you hear me? You good?
1: Yeah, yeah, redo the uh, intro. Sound wasn't picking up.
0: All right. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse with the Nats Report. Uh, we are your hosts, Jeremy Lapidus and Hayden Raymer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're gonna do if you miss the first episode what this show is all about is uh, as many series as we possibly can we will be reviewing the previous series the Nationals were in and previewing the next one uh, today obviously we will be going over the series against the Astros where the Nats uh, took one game out of three and then preparing with some analysis about the Marlins series starting tonight uh, did I say her names? I
1: feel like I did. That. Yes, you did. We're uh-huh. good. We're good. We can just dive right into the game. We're we'll going to start with game one.
0: Sure. Yeah,
1: let's do it. Yeah, so in game one, you know, uh, the Nationals, like we said, took on the Houston Astros. Uh, the pitching match was Patrick Corbin facing, you know, Hunter Brown, a top prospect for those uh, Houston Astros, and the Nats lost 6-1. to one. Then in game two, uh, there was that heartbreaking uh, defeat in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, after the Nats put up three runs in the top of the ninth uh, Where they lost 5-4 to four on a kind of iffy call uh, And we'll get back to that here in a bit And then in game three, like Jeremy already said The Nationals avoided the sweep uh, And they, you know, they won a game They won 4-1 in extra innings that was, I believe their first extra innings game of the year uh, So, you know, for them to kind of go out and win that You know, hey, that's a fun little fact, you know we love fun little facts like They're one. They're uh, undefeated in extra inning games.
0: Can't take that away.
1: Can't take that away? No. I mean, Unless say lose an it. extra inning game.
0: No, you just have to get it to extras, and then we're going to win every game. We'd we, we win 162, yeah. That's the secret sauce. That's what you got to do. I can't believe we haven't had an extra innings game yet, honestly. I, I
1: mean, do you want me to fact check that? Uh, that's just I something I saw know. on Twitter, but...
0: I'm in the process of fact checking. I'm not doing it very efficiently,
1: but, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 Here, you, you, I know you have stuff you want to talk about, Jeremy. About oh this game. No,
0: that is our first, that is our first one. That's crazy. All right. Was it? Okay. Anyway. Yeah. I've scrolled through every single Nats, uh, game.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's a, uh, far more, uh, efficient way of doing that. But that works too, Jeremy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I was just doing it while you were talking, you know. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the the series against the Astros. You played a good uh, taking one against this this team is a win. Yeah, I mean, yeah, teams, game two was fun. close too. Yeah, uh, game two was very close, and Hayden mentioned the uh, the ninth inning, which was something interesting. Uh, but what I wanted to focus on with the series was uh the back end of the bullpen here for the Nationals. Uh it's it's been a struggle for the Nats to find a closer, you know. They they still haven't really found one. You know, there'll be stretches where Hunter Harvey will be locked down for three games and then you know, he'll give up a lead two games in a row like he did against the Raptors. Uh, and it's the same thing for Kyle Finnegan and anybody else that you might want to throw out there. It's... I know the Nationals aren't in a, in a uh, position this season where they are going to go out at the deadline and get a closer, right? They're, they're not going to do that. Uh, but it is a situation that if this team who uh, feels like they have... In the future, next year, maybe if they take a huge step up, if a bunch of their pieces step up that they need in the long run, and it's just uh, it's just not a great situation where they're in right now. And I think that's the rebuild of this team it seems like it's going to be quicker than a lot of people expected uh, when they first blew it up, or at least I did. I expected it to be. You know, ten years, and you look at year one, and this is year one, what or two? I don't know where you officially mark the start of it, but they seem a lot close. They seem, at least uh, in my eyes, a lot closer to where they want to be than I was expecting them this early in the in the rebuild. Uh, So, I just that was just a concern that I've been
1: seeing. It's yeah, like
0: was a little more glaring in this series, I
1: guess. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find because there is there we go, by inning, uh, in the ninth inning, he ha- uh, Hunter Harvey, in his 8.1 innings pitched, has a 7.56 ERA. In the eighth inning, in his 13 innings pitched, he has a 1.38 ERA. Uh, obviously, we're talking about small sample sizes, tiny sample sizes. Uh, but I mean, with relievers, that's kind of all you can really go off of. Uh, and the Nats just kind of lack a closer. I think they have a really. I think when you talk about their unit as a whole, I think this is one of the better Nats bullpens. You know, you have a very, a very deep bullpen uh, where you have guys who can get you outs. Uh, but they don't have that kind of lockdown guy uh, right now, which is fine because you know it's not. There's no high expectations. Uh, the Nationals heading into this series, you know, they're expected to lose, you know, probably at least 20 more games than the Houston Astros this year, and the, you know, take one, keep it close, even if the Astros aren't, don't have on Alvarez, you know. on Alvarez isn't a 20-win player, you know, he's, at the, he's, uh, he's not going to be that equivalent in making them what they are. Uh, so, I think this was a good series by the Nationals, obviously, uh, for just you know kind of what they're asked for. Uh, but no, the back of the bullpen that is a concern, but it's not something that I'm too worried about. I'm mean, in fact, I would be surprised if the Nationals are still have both the Finnegan and Harvey on the roster uh, by August second.
0: Yeah yeah they need they're gonna be trading pieces and they seem like guys that can go
1: yeah I mean you're talking about good solid relievers with three years of team control uh you can usually get a decent amount for that uh in fact I'm like working on a piece right now with a trade for the Rays where you know I mean it makes sense the Rays you know they uh, there's contenders out there with really beat up bullpens uh the Dodgers are one of those teams as well uh where you can kind of capitalize off that and trade some of these relievers, maybe both, uh, and kind of get you know uh, somebody who can actually be a contributor to the roster.
0: Excuse me. sorry. Yeah, uh, I mean we'll have to see. The Nationals are a team that's interesting at the deadline because they don't have that huge piece to give away that they've had in the deadlines past. Years, yeah. Right. They aren't. They can't give away uh, some of their pieces because these are the guys you're going to be that are going to be their cornerstones. So you're going to see guys like you just mentioned, like Hunter Harvey and uh, Kyle Finnegan, get moved for a lesser price than, I mean, the, for for a return that makes sense, but like a lesser return than we've seen for some of the guys we've traded in the past two seasons.
1: Um, yeah, I think the best way of putting it is, I'd be surprised if we receive the top 100 prospects. Uh, like, somebody who's currently a top 100 prospect uh, at the deadline.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's just gonna happen. You know, you don't have those top-end... You don't have that one Soto, that Max Scherzer, that Trey Turner to ship off uh, at the deadline, you know? You don't have these megastars anymore, which... You know, that's, that's... We got set up pretty good with the pieces we got in return for a lot of these trades. But... Yeah, I mean, it and brought now, back Mackenzie Gore
1: and Josiah Gray, who are two anchors for us.
0: And now it's um, now it's just about man managing these pieces we get back, developing them, and making these smaller trades that aren't going to kill the rebuild. You know, you can make there's this is this is like a critical point. You know, a lot of a lot of rebuilds live and die here, and that in this. I don't want to call this a midpoint, but it feels kind of like a midpoint where your stars are up, but they're develop, but they're still developing. Um, you don't want to trade away that one piece that maybe isn't a star, but is crucial to team success for pennies on the dollar, you know. And it's just you have to make sure you keep the right pieces around, which is not always the easiest thing to analyze uh, and to figure out especially this early into a rebuild.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the kind of the best way of putting it, uh, when you look at the past couple trade deadlines, we've seen a lot of nationals get traded away. Uh, Obviously, Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer are kind of the biggest three, and they brought back the biggest package. You know, we've seen Gizai Gray, who's already up Kyber Ruiz, Mackenzie Gore... Uh, James Wood is on everybody's radar now, where he's you know he's a guy who this time next year might be the number one prospect in all of baseball. Uh, but in these same trade li- deadlines, you know we traded away Brad Hand to the Blue Jays, and we got Riley Adams, who's you know he's been a solid backup catcher for us. Uh, you trade away Daniel Hudson to the Padres, uh, and you get Jordan Barley, who's not necessarily or wait no, did they get Mason Thompson in that one?
0: I don't remember what we got for Daniel.
1: Uh... But you get Mason Thompson in one of these trades. Who he's somebody solid, and then you get somebody who like Jordan Barley, who's not necessarily a guy who's even on the radar anymore for the Nationals uh, when you talk about prospects. Uh, so you know there's a chance. You know you're kind of just getting lottery tickets, and you hope you you strike gold. You know even if you get a decent return, you know you're getting a guy who can be maybe not. He's not that star player that you want in that lineup, but he's a guy who can contribute every day. Uh, that's, you know, kind of just what the Nationals need right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, like we said, we they're still early into the rebuild. Uh, so, I don't expect them to make a couple moves at the trade deadline and then be ready to compete next year. But, uh, you know, it's still crucial. The, the trade deadline, whenever you're part of it, is still crucial to uh, It's still a crucial part of it. No matter how small the pieces you get rid of
1: Yeah. Do you want to move on? uh, Move on? There you go. Yeah. There we go. We're both on the same page there. Moving on. Into this Miami Marlins series. Uh, Miami
0: Marlins. So, I mean, before we get into the pitching matchups, which are important, you can't really talk about the Marlins without talking about Luis Arias. Uh... Currently, he's hitting three seventy-eight. Yeah, he's uh, been
1: cold. Mariners held him.
0: He, yeah, he he went hitless in the last year, the longest stretch all season, three games, the longest stretch of him being hitless. Uh, he cracked four hundred uh, earlier in June, probably about a week ago. He hit four hundred one. Uh, how obviously the Marlins got the, got him in a trade, which has propelled them to second in division, uh, fourth best record in the NL. Uh, we've talked about the Marlins have been an interesting team that we've talked about a lot on rounding third, our uh, general baseball show. Um, does does Luis Arias make the uh, Marlins? Uh, playoff threat in the NL, you think? Do you think they can keep this up? Because we've always talked about how uh, they just need to add the bat. They have the pitching. And I know he doesn't have that much pop, but you look at what he's done for this team, uh, you know, they've been so much better this season.
1: I mean, I think, yeah, adding Luis Soraya helps a ton, you know? You're talking about a guy who, like you said, hitting three seventy eight I'm pulling up this page right now. Uh, I'm waiting for it to load. Uh, you know, has a 1.7 F4 already. Has, you know, a really healthy OPS. Uh, you know, has an 891 OPS. There we go. You know, that's a really solid bat to add to that lineup. But, you're, you know, you're also seeing somebody like Jorge Soler, who last year... You know, he had a 6.95 after OPS after being brought over to the fish. And now he has a 9.20 OPS, uh, which, you know, that's a night and day difference uh, for your lineup uh, where you have a guy who can kind of just hit you a home run and just, you know, have a big hit uh, at any moment. Brian De La Cruz is taking a step forward. Uh, that, and it's just the Marlins, just all pitching, really. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Cisardo, former Nat, took a massive step forward. Yuri Perez is one of the most insane pitchers in all of baseball right now. Uh, you know, Edward Cabrera is a solid, you know, mid-rotation starter. Sandy Alcantara, rating Cy Young winner. Speaks for itself. Uh, this team is just pitching, and they just get just enough out of their bats to score enough runs to win games. Uh, if I'm the Marlins, I'm still looking to go add a bat. You know, Jazz Chisholm's been hurt this year. So, you know, that's a little worrying, you know? You kind of want him in your lineup if you're going to make a playoff run. Uh, but they, I mean, they do need a bat, uh, desperately.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, that's been their issue the whole time. But you see, uh, they're sitting, you know, not too far back from the Braves. I mean, five games, but it's still, they're not too far back from the Braves. They're pretty much, they're pretty, they're pretty solidly in the wild card. They're second right now. They're up, they're three games from missing the wild card. Uh, and I know it's, you know, we're 60, we're 70 games into the season now, you know? Uh, so we're basically halfway. The standings are going to start to take shape right around now. Um... This team has surprised a lot of people, and Luis Arias is a massive part of that. The pitching is, as you said, what we thought it'd be, obviously. Um, But, I I mean, you mentioned all those other guys, too. The Bats just have really stepped up, and they've turned this team really uh, right around from what what it was last season and uh, seasons in the past. Uh, So, yeah. I, this is a tough matchup. The last time we played the Marlins, the first time we played them, the Nats went, uh, the Nats got swept, and this was right in the middle of their hot stretch in uh, May, uh, when you know they were winning a whole bunch of games. They kind of slowed their their momentum down, uh, brought them way back down to earth. So we'll see if uh, they can get a little bit of revenge from the last series.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that was the game where, you know, that's when the bullpen issues kind of became the most... That The back end of the bullpen issues were kind of blown and shoved in everybody's faces. Uh, you know, Jorge Soler had a walk-off home run in that first game, I believe, with that series. Do uh, you want to dive into this pitching matchup with me, Mr. Jeremy?
0: I would love to dive into this pitching matchup. In Game 1, we have Sandy Alcantara as uh, Hayden... Put the reigning Cy Young winner from last year, uh, and versus Trevor Williams. Uh, Trevor Williams is the only Nationals pitcher to have pitched in the last series uh, against the Marlins. He went. Uh, he got. He didn't. We didn't win that game, obviously. He went six innings. five pitched three runs, five strikeouts, only one walk, and that's the. That's the big thing with Trevor Williams is uh, keeping the walks down. If he can you know, keep it to a very similar stat line that he had last time. I think the Nats have a shot of winning it. Granted, pitching against Sandy Alcantara, but he hasn't quite been the same from last season. And my theory is is he's pitched, they just overused him last season. You know, he pitched what? I, I didn't pull this up. He pitched a lot than the next guy I don't I don't have the exact number I just remember it being a substantial number uh
1: 228 and
0: 228 he pitched and, and the next guy had like 170 or something like that I think
1: I don't know uh, I didn't pull that up uh give me a second
0: uh but he pitched so much last season and he had a slow start to this year uh wasn't in the same Cy Young form that he had been all last season
1: uh, Next person had 205 So he had 23 more innings pitched
0: Still a pretty substantial More uh, Number more That's like basically three games uh, Maybe four If he uh, Depending how deep he goes um, Excuse me But You know he He started off slow So He's not unhittable this year His Is my point the Nats, they have a shot to get to him in, in this matchup.
1: What's the matchup for Game 2, Jeremy?
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Oh, no, 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 you're all good. Alright, uh, Game 2, we got Braxton Garnett taking on Jake Urban. Uh, both pitchers that uh, neither team has seen before. Uh, excuse me, uh, Braxton Garnett, a lefty, uh, as we've said before on the show. The Nationals they like to hit lefties. Uh, he has a four ten ERA through uh, sixty three and two thirds innings. Uh, you know, this is this is definitely the most even pitching matchup of the series. Uh, both of these guys. Have shown flashes, but they're both struggling a little bit in uh, in recent starts. So if there is a game that's going to be easiest for the Nats to take, it's going to be Game Two.
1: Yeah, I mean with that, uh, not without, you know. I guess we'll just dive into this real quick. Uh, the Nats versus uh, left-handed pitching, top eight in the league. They're they're eighth in the league uh, in OPS against left-handed pitching, uh, which Garrett. Uh, is a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Miami, on the other hand, uh, against righties, which Jake Irvin is, uh, they are 23rd in OPS against right-handed pitchers. Uh, So, you know, kind of seeing that disparity there, this is probably, if the Nats are going to win a game this series, this is the game that they want to take. Yeah. Um,
0: And then our final pitching matchup, uh, Jesus Lazardo taking on Patrick Corbin. Uh Lazardo went six innings uh last time the Nats played. Uh he gave up he gave up one run, had seven strikeouts, uh pitched a pretty good game. Uh again another lefty. We've talked we just mentioned the Nats can hit lefties. Um but he's taken on Patrick Corbin, uh, who had a stretch there where he seemed to have figured it out. And even in the last game, the last start against the against the Astros, he pitched a pretty solid game against a tough opponent. Uh, obviously, it was the most it, it it looks the worst, but he went five, g- only gave up two runs, five strikeouts. He has been struggling with a uh, with control. He's walked a lot of people in his last few starts. He walked five against the um, against the Astros. Uh, and then a couple starts, are, and then he's walked. He's walked. Sir, excuse me. He's walked at least four, in uh, three of his last four starts, uh, which is again something that the Nats need to work on with uh, with control, and it's going to be tough to win games like that. But uh, he has been pitching better recently.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's not going to return to that 2019 level. Again, I think that's fair to say at this point. Uh, strikeouts, you know, aren't going to be super high. Like you said, command with the Nationals is an issue. Uh, I don't know about you, Jeremy, but when I take a step back, right, this series seems winnable.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. Um
1: Which I don't think you could say about the last one. I don't think you could say about any of the, really, a lot of the recent series. They've played really tough opponents so far this month. Uh, But this is, I feel like, you know, seems like the most winnable series that they're going to play. Yeah, It's outside of the one after this.
0: This is the first series all month that I felt confident going into. Um... I feel like that, I, I don't know if that's unfounded, because like, the Nats have been struggling recently, you know? Like I said, they're 3-7 and seven over their last ten games, and the Marlins are the exact opposite, they're 7-3. and three, So, uh, the Marlins are hot, the, the, the Nationals are not uh, heading into this series, but I don't know, I feel like this is definitely a winnable series for the Nats.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the matchup against the second game, uh, against, uh, Braxton Garrett seems like a super winnable game, uh, for the Nationals. I'm honestly more, uh... I the
0: first matchup more than the third.
1: We're on the same page there. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Lazardo has been unreal this year. Uh, no, you know... I, I'm just blanking on the word. No, uh hate against uh, Sandy Alcantara, for the lack of a better word. Uh, But, you know, I think the lefty where you just have two teams that are good against uh, just mash against lefties. Uh, You know, I said how Washington is eighth in OPS against lefties. Miami, they're fifth. Uh, So, you know, they're very strong against that left-handed pitching as well. That game's probably going to be a little bit of a slugfest. And I honestly... I have more faith in the Marlins' offense than I do the Nationals' offense. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's not to say that, you know, they could win that game. Uh, game uh, 1...
0: I was, looking at, I was looking at this, and I was very hesitant, because I think there's a not-too-far-off possibility that they could sweep this series.
1: You see, I think something that's also important to mention, uh, something that we haven't talked about quite yet this this show, the Nats ended uh, their game very late last night, around midnight. Uh, Talk Nats reported, uh, you know, they tracked down the flights and all that stuff. I don't know how any of that works. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, The Nationals didn't get back home until 4.30. They didn't land in D.C. until about 4.30. Uh, so by the time they're getting home, they're getting rested, and then they have to get back up, and, you know, they play at 7.05. Uh, I, I mean, hey, listen, I'm not a betting man, but I would probably take the under on that run line. Uh, you know, the Nats are probably going to be tired, uh, and that's just, that's okay. That's, you know, it, you know, listen, when I'm up late, then I gotta be up at work the next day, I'm tired too, you know, I'm not performing at my best. And I just I don't think we're going to get the best Nats offensive performance. Uh, hopefully, Trevor Williams is was already in D.C. and was not on that flight. Uh, but yeah. That should be an yeah. interesting series. Uh, pro- probably, like I said, the most winnable series for the Nationals so far this month. Uh, and that's at least until the next series when they play the Cardinals. <laughs> That or will be in the documentary when the Cardinals win the World Series. It's one or the other. I don't know. Uh, I,
0: seen, I see no downsides to, to this. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> but yeah. Is there? I, I don't know if you have many other thoughts, really, on this series. Is there a particular like, batter that you're thinking, you're looking for to have a big series uh, heading I, into this next one?
0: I would really like to see Joey Manessis hit a home run he hasn't done that in a while Mm -hmm. he has been hitting you know he's been hitting pretty well he's probably been I think he's our average leader right now Uh, so he's been hitting the baseball he just hasn't been hitting it for power um and you know when he came on the scene last year uh yeah he's the batting average leader and the RBI leader okay cool um He's been hitting the ball, I just... He only has two home runs on the season. Um, it's not like I need him to heat up. I would just... I'd like him to show some pop again, you know? Uh, he hasn't really done that all season. Uh, and he was showing that at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, thats uh That's one person that I'd like to see uh, have a bit of a series.
1: Yeah. Uh... You know, somebody who I kind of look for, uh, or who I'm looking at. Somebody, uh, by the name of C.J. Abrams. You know, uh, he's, to say that he struggled, uh, this year is kind of an understatement. You know, he's hitting 217, 262, 368 for, a you know, a not very strong 630 OPS. Uh... You know, we're 60 games in for his season. He's played 61 games so far, 226 plate appearances. It's not too late to kind of see, okay, cool, we figured some things out. You know, he had an extra base hit in the last series. Uh, i like to see him kind of take another step forward, you know, in the second half of the year because uh, we're approaching that point. Uh, and I think, you know, tonight is probably a good chance to prove that. Uh, against the other two lefties, it might be a little bit tougher. Uh, but, you know, somebody who's also been struggling, Jeremy. Somebody who hit a home run yesterday to bring the Nationals back into the game. Kyber Ruiz.
0: Yeah.
1: He also needs to get going. The Nats have a bunch of young studs who need to get going. Him, C.J. Abrams, Luis Garcia, all get going. Let's just absolutely roll these Marlins. Uh, Go Nats.
0: Yeah, uh, Well, thank you everybody so much for tuning in to In the Clubhouse with the Nats Report. Uh, we have been your hosts, Jeremy Lapidus and Hayden Ramer. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you in the next series, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Cool.